0: This is The Drive with Larry Hardesty podcast on 98.7 ESPN. Everybody on? Good. Great. Wonderful. This is The Drive with Larry Hardesty.
1: No yelling on the bus! Listen, the way Brian Flores was yelling on the field, he must have been screaming on the Miami bus as it motored out of MetLife Stadium in the Meadowlands. Good Sunday evening, everybody, along with Joel and Giselle. This is The Drive on 9870 ESPN. 1-800-919-3776. lot to do on this edition of the show. Of course, we'll talk about the Jet win. Week 14 in the National Football League has been... In a word, amazing. Not just because Radio Joe had a fabulous week with his picks, and he'll do some studs and duds for you a little later in this edition of the Drive, but because there's been some fabulous games, like the shootout between the Niners and the Pats, uh, the Niners and the Saints. And speaking of the Pats, they're on my mind because did I hear Boeing in Foxborough? Huh? Oh yes, of course. We have to talk about the Knicks. They have a new head coach, and we got to see that. Team and the new adjustments that he made. Well, at least they were competitive. Rangers win 5-0 in the game you heard right here on 98-7 ESPN and the Nets win as well. So we've got a lot to do. Let's get started. As we love to say, let's go to work. We begin in the Meadowlands. It was a game that you just had a strange feeling about. Now I'm going to lie to you. I had, I was sharing with some folks earlier before the day started that I had a feeling that this may not go the way you would think that it should go for the Jets because you just had that – you 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 don't have confidence in this team. You really don't because they are the ultimate tease. Just when you're ready to get rolling, just when you think they've got it, just when you think that they're putting some wins together to show you something to build for next year. We're not talking about the playoff push right now like that. No, 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 no. But just when you thought that they were just warming you up, that there was a possibility that you could jump on board and have some faith in this team, they lose to the Cincinnati Bengals. And you understand the way Miami has played over the past couple of weeks. This is not this is not the early in the season Miami Dolphins that rolled into MetLife Stadium today. But the Jets were able to find a way to win a game. And when they got <laughs> you expected the Jets to be able to find the end zone. And they couldn't find the end zone enough today, if you were a Jet fan, to be confident. No, what they were able to do was just tease you with field goals. But fortunately, their defense was up to the task. As Adam Gay says, you know what? The defense not allowing a touchdown?
2: Impressive. The job they did in the red zone was, was impressive. That was one of the main points going into the game was how well they've been playing in the red zone, how they've been, they've been avoiding the field goals. They've been scoring touchdowns and we knew that was going to be a big challenge for us because, you know, we've been working on red zone quite a bit, trying to improve on that. So those guys did a great job
1: they really did and listen once again they still had the penalties once again and a couple of calls listen if you watch the if you watch the Kansas City New England game you know that this was not a really good day for officiating right well it started with the jet game there were a couple of calls in that game that made you say uh and you were watching what exactly <laughs> because it was just wild some of the things that were called but nevertheless they had some big plays. They, they made some big penalties. They made some mistakes, but they were able defensively to buckle down and not allow Miami to get into the end zone. Ryan Fitzpatrick had a very good day on the ground. I mean, he was able to run the ball very well. And of course, apparently, that's what the Jets decided to do, that they felt that, okay, we'll let him run rather than to try to pick our secondary apart because, you know, we got injuries back there. Speaking of running, Did you see how many carries Bilal Powell had today? You could go a couple of games and not have Le'Veon Bell have the amount of carries that Bilal Powell had today. So that was a fascinating thing. Sam Donald, listen, not bad. Had a pick today. Missed a couple of receivers. But all in all, played pretty good, especially on the game-winning drive. For
2: Vincent, first of all, to make that play for us, it was huge. Uh, it was a really good drive. I shouldn't be taking sacks in two minutes, especially when we don't have timeouts, so that was bad by me. Um, but our guys, like they did all game, they were resilient, and we just kept pushing and found Tyler for the check down. Sam, obviously, did a great job kicking the
1: ball. And that was the one thing you're looking at. And, and this, look, young quarterbacks are going to make mistakes. This is his second year. But you're looking at him, and you're saying, "Can you can you throw the football away? And once again, even in the post game, Adam Gates talked about on several occasions how he wanted Sam to not be the hero that he had, that he had gotten away from that in the past couple of weeks, and that was the difference that you saw in this team. And he tried to do that a couple of times today. One time was it turned into an interception, and the other time could have been disastrous because it puts them in a situation where they get the sack. Now it's fourth and eighteen. And if it wasn't for that big first down play, it might be a different outcome to this game. It might be different. We talked about the defense. You know what? Once again, solid in the red zone, giving up threes and not sevens. Jordan Jenkins said we like how we play in the red zone. When we get into the red zone, they leave it none and leave it three. They don't score. It's just when we we huddle up at every adverse situation, go out there and like, all right, so what? Turnover. So what? Now what? Let's go ahead and do our thing. That just shows our resiliency. Like, I mean, we had a couple, I mean, a couple bad calls, but, I mean, we just, you got to play through those. You do. And they were able to do that. Jordan Jenkins, by the way, recorded two sacks in the win. It gives him a team-leading seven, matching his single-season best from a year ago. The two-sack performance for Jenkins, the fourth multi-sack game of his career, and second this season. But the start of the game was very simple. It was Sam Ficken. And he... (laughs) <laughs> love this game-winning kick
2: you know we've done it a million times the snap and hold were good they made it easy on me and um you know just swung my leg stayed down my line and uh
1: happy it went in 44 yard field goal to give the win to the jets 22 21 to kick the 23rd walk-off field goal and the longest in franchise history amazing and the first in regulation since 2013 when folk Hero converted the 43 yarder at atlanta to win the game 30 to 28. 1-800-919-3776 is to drive on 987 ESPN. We're recapping the uh, Jet story. And for me, the Jet story was not only that they found a way to win, which is obviously a good thing, but that they were able to focus so much on the run. And, and it, it's just crazy. You look at how they play, you look at the game plan from last week and you're saying, Today, Bilal Powell, Powell, 19 carries, 74 yards. Why didn't he focus on the run last week? And there were times in the game today where you're saying, but the secondary in Miami has got some issues. You saw Robbie Anderson make some plays. You saw Robbie Anderson find the end zone. You saw Robbie Anderson and Sam Donald have a pretty good connection. And then they just continue to run the ball and run the ball and run the ball and continue to run the ball. And you're like, what's going on with this play calling? What's happening?
0: Are they on the same page? You're listening to The Drive with Larry Hardesty on 98.7 ESPN.
2: Just getting, getting that feel back. You know, I mean, last week was... It wasn't a fun week for any of us. You know, guys were disappointed that happened, and I think they, they did a good job of putting in a good week of work. I saw those guys come out and really good practices on Wednesday and Thursday and Friday.
1: It was nice to get a win. You're listening to the drive on 987 ESPN. Larry Hardesty with you, 1 800 919 3776. And although they did bounce back after losing to the Cincinnati Bengals, the winless Cincinnati Bengals, And allows Adam Gates to not, not be the first head coach to lose to his former team twice in the same season. It could have been worse. It came down to a controversial call on the last, on that game winning drive. It was Nick Needham who interfered with Smith's right shoulder and the play at first you're wondering, you're saying, is it, is it enough to, to why didn't they throw the flag? And you're wondering what's going on with it. Why the flag wasn't thrown in the beginning, because it looked as though, and see, that's the issue with past interference and the past interference penalties is it's not one single rule. What it is, it, it's it's interpreted by what crew is calling the game for you. Because a number of the plays that happened in the game today, another crew would have called. It would have been even worse. It would have been more and more flags thrown. The, 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 the air would have been littered with, with yellow today. But this crew kind of let them play a little bit, kind of let them play. And, uh, you know, Vincent Smith had that, Big drive, short pass to him. He turns into a 37-yard gain. All right, two plays, then the sack. Puts the ball at the Dolphins' 46. Donner threw an incomplete pass. They said incomplete. Turns out that Needham did grab the shoulder, spun him around. And as you saw on the – if you watched the game, as you saw, (laughs) Brian Flores went wild. He just went wild. He was just done. And you understand because you don't want to play. You don't want the game ended on a play like that. You don't. So you understand that standpoint. But nevertheless, that was a situation that the Jets could have lost this game. And that's why you heard earlier when Sam Darnold said, hey, you know what? I got to do a better job at making sure that I don't take the sack in that spot Listen, you can't take the sack. You're trying to get the, as close to field goal range as possible. And with all due respect to Sam Fickett, okay, it's not like he's, you know, a consistent 63-yard, yeah, he's definitely going to make a kicker. I mean, he missed an extra point in this game. So you, you have to be concerned. And, and with the way the field goal kicking has been for this team this season, you want to make sure that you give them as, as much cushion as possible. And that would have been a much tougher field goal, clearly, if they don't get that pass interference play. Here's Sam Donald on that uh PI uh that pass interference call.
2: I thought it was pass interference and obviously they overturned it and it was good. You know, I thought first and ten's obviously a lot easier than fourth and eighteen. So, you know, it was good for us to to get that call and then move the chains and you know continue the drive.
1: And that drive was big. As I mentioned, once again, Ryan Fitzpatrick uh, 21 of 37 for 245 yards and a pick for Miami. Uh, didn't have two of his top guys. But once again, his ability to extend plays on the ground, which is something that, listen, Jet fans know. They remember how he was able to do that. You, you love that, that, you know, that, that, that rough play. You love that he wants to put his body on the line, even at what, 37, 38 years old. You love that he thinks that way. You love that he, you know, at seven rushes, 65, he averaged just under, just over nine yards of carry and his longest was 20 yards. I mean, he was the leading rusher (laughs) for Miami, but nevertheless, the Jets were still able to not allow them to get into the end zone and Miami had their chances. I mean, there were six times that Miami was in the red zone. Jets defense held them without a touchdown. they become only the fourth team since 1991 to hold that opponent without a touchdown in at least six red zone opportunities. And once again, it was coming up with big plays late. A couple of them were uh, pressures up the middle where they got some sacks. They were able to uh, stop the run game from getting rolling there. So listen, give the Jets some credit. And now they take this game and put it in their pocket because they have a very tough opponent. Thursday night in a game you can hear right here on ninety 98.7 ESPN when they face the Baltimore Ravens, a Baltimore Ravens team that is really as hot a team as there is in the National Football League with a quarterback who is, listen, arguably right now the league MVP. Right up there, you know, with, with the young man in Seattle who – uh Having a tough time right now as Russell Wilson and the Hulk Seahawks are trailing the Rams 21 to 9 in the fourth quarter. And we haven't seen, this is a Rams team we haven't seen, maybe since last season, as dominant as they've been. This is surprising, but it's something about them when they face the the Seahawks. You know, you go back to week 15 of 2017 and the Rams beat them 42 to 7. So maybe it's something about facing Seattle in, December, right? It's crazy. It's just crazy. Tomorrow night, the other local football team, the New York Giants will be in action, and uh, they will travel down to Philadelphia, and they will face the Philadelphia Eagles with Eli Manning getting the start uh, because yesterday Daniel Jones was officially ruled out for the game, so Eli Manning will start his first game since being benched in week three. Jones didn't practice all week. Dealt with that mild high ankle sprain, and of course that's you know, listen, fueled speculation that he could have played. Maybe that uh, people upstairs in the giant front office a little concerned at his at his play over the past couple of weeks, inability to hold on to the football, and then a lot of turnovers. And besides, the team has been losing, and so if they were concerned about that. Is is this time maybe that we should sit him down, let him take a step back since he's hurt? Yeah, he could play, but. Listen, let's take it easy. Let's see what he can do. Let's let him sit back, watch Eli for a week, see what happens. And if Eli wins, then we'll play it by ear and see if he's available. If Eli loses, then we'll probably bring him back for the following week. And that's going to be the interesting question for me is to see what happens to this giant team as far as who's the starter going forward. Suppose Eli wins tomorrow night. Do you then pull him and put Daniel Jones in? Of course. You want Daniel Jones to get as much experience, as much playing time as possible. But that game is at home. And yes, it's the Miami Dolphins who will be back at MetLife Stadium next Sunday at 1 o'clock. This time facing the other New York team, the Giants. So it will be a little different. Uh, Eli Manning will have a Golden Tate for the first time. They'll be able to play in the season together. Uh They've lost eight in a row. And listen, they are ready, obviously, Begging for a win, desperate for a win. But this, this sets up to be a very interesting scenario. And I'm very curious to see how this works out. If indeed we're in a situation where Eli Manning is able to lead this team to, to a win. I mean, personally, I guess you want him to, you want him, you'd love to see him at home to get his last home game. Because look, he's in the final year of his contract. His future with the Giants is up in the air. Featured in the NFL is up in the air for the first time since being the number one selection in 2004 in the draft. So what's going to happen? So I think he'll do well tomorrow night. I really do. I think he'll he's he's a professional. I think he'll play well. I think he may he may be rusty early. He may be he may miss you know miss timing with a couple of receivers early. But I do think that he will be able to give them a representative uh, effort. And they will. He will put them in the position where they will have a chance to win the to win the game against Philly, who is not really playing the best right now. As is nobody in the NFC East, <laughs> they're all struggling. So I think it, while I expect that you you would think that on paper Philly would win because they're better than the Giants. Uh, you know when you have these divisional matchups, at certain point in time you have to throw. Sometimes you throw the records out the window, and it would it would please the Giants nothing more than to go into Philly, beat Philly, and further compromise their limited playoff hopes because in the NFC, only the division winner is going to the postseason with those records, only the division winner. So if the Giants can find a way to hurt Philly's chances, they would love to do it. And with the idea of having Golden Tate there, having Sterling Shepard back, uh, won't have uh, tight end uh, Red Ellison also – uh, you won't have, uh, Corey Ballantyne, the cornerback. You won't have Chris Pierce, the outside linebacker. Uh, Jabril Peppers obviously is done for the year, so you won't have him. But, uh, you know, and Evan Ingram is out. So, but you do have your receivers and you got Saquon Barkley and Saquon Barkley has been running better. So you've got him. And listen, when you look at how Eli had a different idea, a different philosophy, uh where Daniel Jones always looked down the field, you look at Eli. Eli likes to look down the field and look short. And I think you'll see some more dump offs. I think Saquon is gonna be more involved in this offense than he was in previous weeks. It's gonna be fascinating.
0: You are listening to the drive with Larry Hardesty on ninety-eight point seven ESPN.
1: Friends,
3: how many of us have them? Friends.
1: Hour number two of the drive. On 98.7 ESPN, 1-800-919-3776. Game Night on ESPN Radio follows us at midnight here on 98.7. And before we turn our attention to the Knicks, let me just say this. To back up my point, we're talking about the running game for the Jets, right? Bilal Power had 19 carries for 74 yards today. Ty Montgomery had nine carries for another 31. Robbie Anderson had one carry for four yards and Sam Donald three carries for three. But my point is Ty Montgomery was brought here to, brought here to be that versatile guy that you could catch the ball out of the backfield and line him up in the backfield and he's been underutilized too. So all of a sudden and for weeks, Jet fans have been talking about and wondering, and we've been taking phone calls about what's up with the run game. Why doesn't he run the football? Because running the football is a young quarterback's best friend. It's a quarterback's best friend anyway. You want to be balanced in any offense you have. But clearly, when you have a young quarterback, the run game is very, very important. For the obvious reason, it keeps the defense from stacking people in the box. And yeah, we know people have defenses have been stacking folks in the box early in the season. But since Sam Donald's comeback, that has not been the case. He's been able to throw the football a little bit and loosen up. The safeties that they have to drop back in coverage. So the run game should have been better and better utilized. And also thus allowing you to use the play action pass. And Sam Darnold's very good at play action. So now you're looking at the opportunity where you can move the football, march it right down the field, hide your defense, keep them well rested because you got so many injuries on there and you'll be able to get some more points and have a better chance to win games. So, it's interesting now to see if this is going to be the trend for the end of the season for the last games. Is it going to be a scenario where we're going to see them run the football because they're going to need to have some balance against this Baltimore Ravens team on Thursday night because this Baltimore Ravens team is going to attack this jet offensive line. And they're going to have to be able to run the football. They're going to have to be able to show some versatility. They may have to go into a no huddle in the middle of the game. They have to be creative because there's going to be a lot of pressure on this Jet defense to try to contain, I use air quotes, Lamar Jackson, who was phenomenal again today. And his ability to run and and you have to maintain lanes. Now, they didn't maintain running lanes today. That's why Ryan Fitzpatrick had 65 yards on seven carries with just over nine yards per carry. They do that Thursday night against Lamar Jackson, and he's going to score a couple of touchdowns on the ground, not not worried about throwing. And you have to be about time of possession is going to be key if the Jets have any opportunity of staying in that game against the Baltimore Ravens. You've got to keep that offense off the field. And the only way to keep that offense off the field is for your defense to be like your offense. That would be great, right? One 3776 Alfie's in the Bronx. Alfie you're next on the drive. Hey, how you doing? Good, Alfie.
2: Okay, I'm wondering this you obviously you saw how many carries the Jets were giving out today. Yep. I'm thinking would you would you say that maybe somewhere in management that the coaches are holding him back on giving him more, of giving Bell more running plays, so he won't meet his bonuses?
1: Could be, and but I, I don't think that's management per se. I, I just think that's Adam Gase. I don't think, Alfie, and thanks for the phone call, that Adam Gase is really fond of, you know, what Le'Veon Bell brings to the table. And had he been here before, Mike McCagney went out and spent the money for Le'Veon Bell, Le'Veon Bell, I don't think Le'Veon Bell would be a jet. Look at the history and Trey mentioned it last hour. Look at what happened. Jay Ajayi and I was embedded with the Jets at that time. He came off back to back 200 yard efforts, 200 yard games. And then all of a sudden he just like disappeared from the, the, from the Miami offense. Look what Ryan Tannehill's done after leaving. Adam Gaze, he's he's one of the hottest quarterbacks in the National Football League. Yes, I know he's healthy. That's part of it, but he's never even when he was healthy, he didn't show you that type of production when he was in Miami. So I, maybe there's an explanation, but until we hear that explanation and just drawing by the numbers and what we see, it would it would appear that it's very simple. That Adam Gaze would rather throw the ball, which is okay. But you could still use Le'Veon Bell in that scenario. He's great coming out of the backfield. He's great lining up in the flat. And what he does is he would spread your he would spread the opposing defense out. So, okay, all right, so maybe you don't feel like you want to run him, but at least you could use him in other ways. He's making a lot of money. And he's been underutilized from the beginning. And as Jay Fieldy said on the broadcast today of the game, that's on Adam Gase. That's not on Le'Veon Bell. Le'Veon Bell's been the good soldier. Le'Veon Bell's been ready to play. Le'Veon Bell until this week with the illness, as Gase mentioned in the post game, that he wasn't even allowed to be around the team. Which is why he was ruled out yesterday, that he definitely wasn't going to play today. He wasn't allowed to be around the team. He's been ready to play. And, and what's more mind-boggling is the fact of the attention to running the football today when the team you played last week had trouble against the run and you didn't run the ball like this against them. It's confusing. It really is. It makes you wonder what is going on. What, what is that? And Adam Gates made a statement in his post game press conference about how he play calling wise, put Sam in some, didn't help Sam out and put him in some tough positions. This is not the first time he said that this season. And this is one of the reasons why, be it, be the head coach, a defensive, also calling the, the plays defensively or offensively. It's an issue. It's an issue because you're trying to split your mind and your play call into what I see the defense doing. But what I see as far as the game is concerned. And then you hear him say, Well, I you know, I have to I had to get him back on track. I realized that I messed him up a little bit. No, that you're the play caller. You've got to always have that level head. Yeah, I know there's gonna be times where you want you've got a feeling, you want to take a shot, or you want to make a certain play or a certain call you think is gonna work or a certain scheme. That's acceptable. Come on, we understand that. But then to say that I had to get myself together and get him back on track. That's tough. This is your second year quarterback. He needs more help than that.
0: You're listening to The Drive with Larry Hardesty on 98.7
1: ESPN. You're listening to The Drive on 98.7 ESPN. So it happened on Friday, right around the time the Michael K show hit the air. That's when... The Knicks fired David Fisdale after the team had lost eight, yes, I know it seemed like more, but it was eight consecutive games. Now here's what's interesting. The move was made after Fisdale oversaw a practice, spoke to the media and said hello to Mills and Perry in front of the cameras. Now this, this took me back because I was covering the Knicks when Mike Dantoni, there was this conversation about Dantoni was a good, he was on the hot seat. Would he come back? Gonna be fired, blah blah blah. It was going there's A lot of lot of innuendo being swirling, swirling around. And he was at practice. He spoke to the media at practice. He turned around. I watched him. He turned around, looked at the court, threw his hands up, and walked out. Walked off the court. This was after he had spoke to the media and everything. Threw his hands up, walked off the court. An hour later, we found out that he resigned. <laughs> so he was fired, or gone, or whatever the case case was at that time. And then this took me back to it. Like, if you knew if you knew that you were going to let him go, why would you allow him to talk to the media? And talk about changes in the lineup that he was going to make against Indiana. But then again, this is the organization that I turned on the TV and watched a Nick PR person carrying Don Cheney's belongings out of the garden. <laughs> After he held a practice, they he they actually allowed him to come to the garden before they let him go. So. Nothing, nothing surprises you. In announcing Fisdale's dismissal, the Knicks also fired top assistant Keith Smart and named assistant Mike Miller as the interim coach. Miller yesterday after the game was asked, what adjustments did you make from David Fisdale?
2: Well, there were just, you know, minor things that, that we looked at, you know, without giving our scouting report out. Um, and I think a lot of it, you know, I'll give the, credit, the uh, credit to the players, you know, how they came out and how they approached the game and how they sustained it and played at a consistent level. That's really what I saw.
1: Mm -hmm. Now, the morning before Fisdale was fired, Marcus Morris Sr. gathered the team for a players-only meeting. The meeting, according to Morris, was about the direction we're trying to go as a team. Julius Randle, after the game was asked, uh, what happened at the players-only meeting? Was it held after Fisdale was fired or before? That was good. It
2: was a lot of heart-to-heart. Guys communicating, like you said. I I mean, like I've been saying, uh, um... It was what we needed, you know. Nobody's gonna save us or turn us around uh, for us except us. So uh, we just gotta keep doing what we did tonight. We're gonna win. We're gonna win some games, man.
1: But you didn't. So you keep doing what you did tonight, but you didn't win because there's still some things that this team doesn't do, and part of them is unfortunately Julius Randle. And you look at what he does, and you look at him handling the ball, and you look at him constantly getting the ball turned the, turned over, and you look at him. He, he makes he makes some plays, but in key moments, there are times that you you want him to make that big play, and he's not making that play. And the frustration is that he's on the floor in big moments when he is supposed to be a go to guy. And I've said this before, and, and when you look at this roster. It is full of guys who are complementary players. They're not ones and twos. They're like threes and fours. So a Marcus Morris, who is more, this season has been more consistent and has been more clutch than Julius Randle has been, was like the third best guy, you know, where he's been. I mean, when he was in Boston, he was the third best guy. Julius Randle, when he was in L.A., he was like, what? The third best guy. So you're dealing with the third and fourth best guys in some cases, some cases sixth and seventh on a good team. He wouldn't be on the floor. So You, you were talking about how could he miss those free throws late in games. He wouldn't be on the floor on a really good team in that situation. <laughs> he wouldn't. He'd be on the bench. Your closer would be on the floor. And that the guys who get you to that next step, the better team, the starters would be on the floor in that situation. He wouldn't be on the floor there unless it was foul trouble. So that's the issue that you have. And that's the issue with this team. And so the question becomes now, what's going to happen? David Fisdale, 21 and 83 in less than two seasons as the Knick coach and is owed the remainder of his four-year $22 million contract. Earlier today, the Knicks issued the following statement. The Knicks organization would like to thank David Fisdale for his leadership and professionalism over the past two seasons. He represented the organization with nothing but class. We wish him all the best in his, in his future endeavors. Here's a statement from David Fisdale quote coaching the New York Knicks has been a great honor. And I appreciate Steve Mills, Scott Perry and Jim Dolan for providing me with this opportunity. There are lessons we take with us from every life experience. And I am especially grateful for the lessons I have learned from the extraordinary group of people within the MSG family, from the players, coaches, development staff, and trainers to the arena crew, concession workers, and ushers who have all treated me and my family so well during our time with the team. Nick Fan's passion and commitment is remarkable, and while it's obviously disappointing that we couldn't deliver the wins we wanted to on the court, I'm very proud that we were able to establish a system which values accountability, respect, and hard work. Although the short-term results weren't what I'd hoped for, I'm confident the culture and values we prioritize will contribute to the growth and future success of the core young players who are already improving each and every day. I've been blessed with the chance to make a career around the game of basketball. I wish only the best to your entire Nick organization and to the city of New York. And I am excited about the journey that lies ahead. Very well written. Very nice. Unfortunately, it's, the lack of respect and hard work that cost him his job, especially those last two games. This team quit on him, ladies and gentlemen. And that's a horrible thing to say from any athlete because you understand to be a great athlete, you have to be a competitor. You understand to be a great athlete, you are competitive to reach where you have to reach because there are so many people who want to be a pro. And so for you to, for your coach to say, that you had no you played like you had no chance to win in one game and you go out and have another game in response of that where you just don't perform well at all, it's bad. And unfortunately for David Fisdale, that's why he is no longer the Knicks head coach. Julius Randle, did the new guy, Mike Miller, change anything offensively?
2: Um. Then we put in some a little, a couple different day things that are a little bit different, but um, you know, this is his first day, you know, so it's tough to say anything has changed or is going to change. But he's great. Uh, we're all buying into what he's saying, and uh, we gave ourselves a chance tonight.
1: All right, Mike, coach, were you uh, trying to space the floor more on offense?
2: You know, it's what, what we're always, you know, offensively, you're trying to really open that up and create space for guys to play. And, and I, I thought we did a good job with that, you know, and, and to your question, I want to say great crowd, a lot of fun, a lot of, a lot of energy in that crowd tonight.
1: There was a lot of energy in the crowd. And, and the reason why it was a lot of energy in the crowd, to be honest, is because they played better. They played with effort. They, they had a chance to win. They didn't play smart, which is, usually the case with this team when they struggle they don't play smart they they make turnovers and do dumb things but you know the effort was there and it was at least entertaining and they could have won the game but you know once again they couldn't get to overtime because uh, Julius Randle missed the free throw with .1 seconds left they sent the Knicks to another loss but at least at least they played better back to the phones Mike is in Queens hey Mike you're next on the drive
4: Good evening, Larry. How are you?
1: I'm doing good, Mike. What's going on?
4: Larry, if stupidity counted for wins, the Knicks, Jets, Mets, undefeated, Larry. Undefeated. (laughs) Uh, I hate to say it, Larry, but the Knicks, the head coach, it's a graveyard, Larry. A graveyard. Coaches come here to die, Larry. They come here to die. It's a tombstone after tombstone. It's all... It's a graveyard. And when every coach fails, Larry... Is it the coach or the team? Who's the real issue? If every coach fails... I mean, Larry, what? tell me what coach besides Jeff Van Guttie has succeeded. So if every coach fails, can we... Let's say it. It's not the coach. But they had to five for there. why. Not even because of the loss. It's not even because of the 50-point loss. But when the GM holds a press conference, when they take that step, Larry... If you don't fire him, then what are you doing you look even dumber than if, if, if you don't fire him so once the that press conference was held you know he he you knew he was gone and he made his own errors but I just Larry I'll say this the Knicks can bring in a new coach even mark Jackson but Larry I said this before and I've and if you and I've heard this more on on of, of other callers but I've been saying this for for years, the president is Steve Mills. Now, yes, they hired uh, the, the other guy as a GM. Scott but Mary. again, Larry, the president, the top, jog, top dog is Steve Mills. Larry, tell me, where on Steve Mills' resume does it say building a winning team, Larry? That's my point. I, I want Mark Jackson. If they hire him, I'll be happy. But the point is, I feel like it doesn't matter because I don't have faith in Mills, Larry. I, he has no experience. Look at his resume. What has he done to prove to us that he can build a team? So I hope they get Jackson, but if they do get Jackson, I'm still scared because he may, because Jackson will fail because every coach fails. So I'm sorry, I just, I want Jackson, but unless Mills has to go, but he's not, so I still think they're stuck
1: with this team. It's an interesting point, Mike, and thanks for the phone call. And there are, you know, reports out that, you know mike miller is going to control a lot of people's situation that uh, according to a number of published reports that if he is not able to do something with this team to try to get them back on track or to do, do something that uh there will be changes up up in the front office and once again you're hearing the musai ujiri name circling around and the work that he's done in toronto obviously and you know, uh, a couple of other teams before that. So, you, you know, he's done a nice job. Now, part of his success in Toronto was, you know, making deals with the Knicks. You know, so, uh, but he's a guy who has gotten what you're asking for, Mike. He's gotten that track record. He's been successful. He's been able to turn teams around. His name has been mentioned before. And so there is a possibility that things could change this time around because of the fact that, that uh, you know, let's face it, the Knicks just aren't playing well. And and from from your standpoint and it's right, yes, part of it is coaching, but part of it you gotta have something to work with. Now, did David Fisdale maximize what he could with the team he had? No, he did not. And clearly the team stopped playing for him. So that's that's a tough situation. That's on him. But you look at the roster, you know, you don't have a point guard. I mean, you gotta put a, you gotta have a point guard to run your run. Look at the NBA today. What is the NBA today? Strong backcourt, great three point shooters. Does the Knicks have either of those?
0: There you go. You're listening to The Drive with Larry Hardesty on 98.7 ESPN.
4: I just wanna feel this moment.
1: It's The Drive on 98.7 ESPN, 1-800-919-3776. Game night follows us at the top of the hour here on 98.7. i tell you what, we'll get to the calls in a minute. Time to go around the NFL, get you caught up on some scores in the National Football League for week number 14. We begin with the 1 o'clock games at MetLife Stadium. It was the Jets <laughs> with squeezing out a win. Sam Pickens, 44-yard field goal, gets it done. Jets with a 22-21 win over Miami. Also at 1 o'clock, it was the Falcons doubling up Carolina 40-20. A real good one. Good one for Buffalo. They, they hung in there. Give them some credit. They're for real. Baltimore, hottest team in the National Football League at 11 and 2, beats the Buffalo Bills 24-17. Browns over the Bengals 27-19. to Green Bay beats Washington 22-10. Minnesota 20, Detroit 7. It was San Francisco over New Orleans in the game of the day for me, 48 to 46. Listen to these totals. Jimmy Garoppolo, 26 of 35, 349 yards. Four touchdowns and a pick. He was sacked three times. Uh, Drew Brees, 29 of 40, 349 yards, five touchdowns, no picks, no sacks. <sighs> Just an amazing game. Amazing, amazing game. But uh, it was a last-second Field goal to win it, Niners, over the Saints by the score of 48-46. to Tampa Bay beats Indianapolis 38-35, Denver 38-Houston 24. As we move to the 4 o'clock game, it was um the Los Angeles Chargers over Jacksonville 45-10. In the 4-25 matchups, Tennessee over Oakland 42-21. What has happened to the Raiders? I mean, since they lost to the Jets, they've been in free fall. They've lost three consecutive games. In Foxborough, yes, there were actually boos in Foxborough, and people were ripping the fans. All these titles and they're booing? Give me a break. Tom Brady, 19 of 36 for 169 yards. That's 4.7 yards per pass? One touchdown, one pick, and he was sacked three times. Patrick Mahomes, 26 of 40, 283 yards, a touchdown, an interception, and one sack. The difference there, quite frankly, listen, Brady doesn't have any weapons. And Kansas City, though only three points in the second half, they were unable to get anything going. As Belichick does, he made he tinkered with the defense, made some adjustments, and it took Kansas City. You know, could not get on the board offensively. And listen, there were a couple of calls in that game that that should have gone New England's way, especially the one where the player was was uh, ruled out of bounds before that his foot went out of bounds before scoring. But as it turns out. He did not go out of bounds. So nevertheless, it's another loss for the uh, New England Patriots. And it's funny. They have lost to the three division winners. They've lost to Kansas City in the, in the, in the AF, in the AFC. They've lost to Kansas City. They've lost to Houston and they've lost to Baltimore. So they got tiebreakers. They got issues. Pittsburgh continues to find a way to win. They beat Arizona by the score of 23 to 17. And in uh, the Sunday night matchup, which Listen, Russell Wilson did not have the game that we expected Russell Wilson would have. Um, and you give the Los Angeles Rams a lot of credit for that. They played extremely well tonight. And, um, you know, they, they made it hard for the, the Seahawks to get anything going. And they win by the score of 28 to 12. Jared Goff, 22 of 31 for 293 yards and two scores. Todd Gurley. Yes, I did mention him. Todd Gurley. 23 carries, 79 yards, and a touchdown. And people have still been looking for Todd Gurley since the playoffs last year. Russell Wilson, 22 of 36, 245 yards, and uh, one interception. No touchdowns. Of course, tomorrow night, the New York football Giants will head down to Philadelphia to play the Eagles. Giants at 2-10, and 10, Eagles at 5-7, with Eli Manning getting the start. And that's your week around the league in week 14. Let's go back to the phones. 1-800-919-3776. Dave's in Comac. Hey, Dave, you're next on the drive. Hey, Larry. What's up, Dave?
2: I'm good and pissed, pardon okay. my language. Got gotcha. you. Um, Tell me why. I was reading in Newsday that tomorrow's Giants game is going to be only on ESPN. I think it's pathetic that Mara, given it's a losing team, would make fans pay to watch the game.
1: That's weird, Dave, because I've seen uh, advertisement and promos that the game is supposed to be on Channel 7 locally.
2: Not in Newsday. Today's Newsday, it's not. But I also think it's pathetic is the Hockey League, together with, and I mean the NHL, Mm -hmm. together with Verizon, have made it so you can't watch the Islanders-Devils games streaming. Uh, you can only get it through Cablevision or Verizon or the satellite companies. Hmm. And it's cheaper if you're able to get it streaming for the year. It's like 100 hundred right, for the rest of the season versus paying $80 a month for cable approximately to watch the the games.
1: Wow. I wasn't aware of this, Dave. Thanks for the phone call. I got to check into that and find out what's going on with that. That That's that's surprising. And especially the NFL, because if, if memory serves me right, I, I don't think the, according to the NFL rules in the local area, they have to be on free TV. If the, even if it's a Monday night game or a Sunday night game, well, Sunday night game would be on free TV anyway, but a Monday night game or Thursday night game, that game, if your team is in that, is playing in that game, it has to be shown on free TV in the area. So, and I've seen the promos for it being on, on channel seven ABC. So, um, I'm, I'm surprised we'll check into that and see what's going on with that. That, that's, that's fascinating. Rick is in Newark. Hey, Rick, you're next on the drive. Hey, Larry. What's up, Rick? How you doing? Can you hear me? I hear you fine, my friend. Talk to me. Yeah, I just, like, on the Knicks game last Mm -hmm. night, I mean, the other day, um, the the difference was um, they let the starters play more. To me. Well, you know, yeah, I guess when you break down the minutes, um, Rick, and thanks for the phone call, um, and I'll do that right now. I can pop, pop that up for you. I thought really that the backcourt, however, I thought El- I thought Elfred Payton played more than uh, Nilakina did. So, um, I have to double check that and see, uh, what happened with that because, uh, to me, I, I really thought that the, um, as far as the backcourt was concerned, I thought the backcourt played but you know, he kind of split that backcourt up because Dennis Smith Jr. I thought did not get a lot of playing time. I expected him to get some more playing time. Uh, and the team that was on the floor late, um, was a team that, you know, was a team that was getting things moving. They moved the ball a little bit. And I think that's what Miller's going for. And, and that's what you need to see. You know, you want to see a team that's moving the basketball. And I think if, if that's the case that the offense did, the bench did play more, it would be a scenario that the, that the, I mean, that the starters played more. Listen, to be honest, the bench has not really played well over the past couple of weeks. This bench has been, and, and they've gone through stretches where they have played better, but over the past couple of weeks, this bench has not played to the level that you would expect them to play. And it, it's, it's been a situation where, especially early in games, they've kind of cost the team. They've cost them in momentum. Uh, they've cost, they they've put them down quickly. In, uh, in a lot of games. So, uh, that might be one of the things that we could look for from, uh, Mike Miller, the new head coach in that that's what he's going to do. If, if you don't, and, and that's what he should do. If you're not performing, then you don't need to play. It's real simple. It's real simple. If you're not performing, then there's got to be a way for me to take you off the court and find somebody else that will, that will do your job. Because it's about once again, this is a production business, ladies and gentlemen. We're not just here having fun. Okay, we're here trying to make sure that um you know we get some wins here, and especially this Nick team that's been struggling the way they've been struggling, he desperately was trying to find a way to get, you know, to get some points. So let's see now. The starters uh Barrett played thirty six minutes, Mars played thirty three, Randall thirty five, Nilakina nineteen, and Taj Gibson fifteen. Uh, Mitchell Robinson played 25, coming off the bench. Payton played 17, so it was yeah. The three starters did play more. Randall played more. Morris played and Barrett played. Those were the guys that went close to 40 minutes. And then Portis gave you 18 off the be- 18 minutes off the bench. Kevin Knox was a little better. I thought uh I still need some more rebounding out of him. I, you know, it was two or four. I mean, I know he's he's falling in love with his offense, but I still need I need a little bit more out of him. Uh, off the boards, and he's showing a little bit. Uh Alfred Payton, 9.7 assists in 17 minutes. Uh, You know, Damian Dotson, 4 of 11, he had 14 minutes. So, you know, you're right. The starters did play more, especially Randall Morris and Barrett. Gary's in where Gary, you're next on the drive.
3: Hey, Hey, Larry, how are you? Thanks for Great, taking my, my call. Friend. You got it. The the two guys you didn't bring up just now were Frank Nelikina and uh, Dennis Smith Jr. Mm -hmm. Those guys combined for for one-for-ten shooting, and I think that's a huge part of the Knicks problem. They don't have a point guard that can unlock the potential of a Julius Randle. I don't blame Julius Randle. Julius Randle has to learn how to become a number one. But without a point guard helping him, I, I think the guy is, is going to you know, not do very well. And I also blame coaching. I don't think uh, Fisdale did a very good job coaching him. I think Fisdale had him do too much too yep. soon. Mm-hmm. That's a process. You've got to bring that guy along if you want him to be a number one. Look at what Toronto did with Siakam. Mm-hmm. Siakam got a max contract, and I was stunned. But look at the way Siakam is performing, and that's only because they brought him along step by step. The Knicks need better coaching and better point guards, and I think that'll help. Thank you, Larry.
1: You got it, Gary. Well, first of all, they don't need better point guards. They need a point guard. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for the phone call. They need a point guard. That's what they need to start with. They got to get a point guard. They don't have one. Uh Nilekine, as you mentioned. Is He was a point guard, not really a point guard, cause he doesn't break down it. He goes to the basket infrequently. Uh, Dennis Smith Jr. was supposed to be the starting point guard on this team, and he still has not putting, put any string of games together that would give you confidence that he could be that guy or could turn into that guy. 12 minutes last night, 0-5 from the field, 3 rebounds, 7 assist. um not 7 assists, I'm sorry, that, he had 1 assist and 3 rebounds. I mean, he had 1 point you know i mean he's not doing anything and that's the issue they rolled the dice that he would be able to step up and take that and take that next step now is is does mike miller is he able to to unlock um dennis smith junior the way that kenny atkinson was able to uh unlock D'Angelo russell last season and get him to take that next step is he able to do that that's going to be the question is is will Miller be able to unlock something? It looks like Peyton is the most kind of like point guard that the Knicks have on their roster. RJ Barrett's not a point guard; he's a two. So you know that's what he is. He's a two, and I like to see him go back to the basket a little bit. He went to the basket last night, but you have to pick your spots. See when you, when 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 the Pacers had you know their shot blocking team you know back there um, in Sabonis and Turner, you, you know you're not going to be able to get to the basket. That's when you pull up in the lane and hit that nice little short jumper. That's what he's got to learn and make the adjustment with. So, no, and and as far as your comments about Julius Randle, here's what I'll say about him. Somebody has got to just take the ball from him and not let him bring the ball up court because there's too many opportunities where he brings himself down to be a smaller player. I remember coaches telling me this way back when I was playing. And that is, when you, when a big man dribbles, he brings himself down to the size of a guard, because the guard's hands are faster. He's got to be more decisive. Give me the ball, put the ball on the ground, and go to the hoop and make up, and and go strong to the basket. That's what he needs to do. All this dribbling on top of the circle, he loses it, he's always losing, he's always, every time you turn around, he's always losing his dribble. That's because, When he puts the ball down, the guards are like, oh, we can get the ball, and they swarm and they knock the ball away, and that leads to turnovers, and that leads to turnovers and fast breaks that go the other way. So maybe, you're right, Gary, in that sense, Miller can coach him up a little bit better and put him in situations where he just has to go and somebody will give him the basketball instead of him on multiple occasions bringing the ball up court. And you're just like holding your eyes closed, knowing that something bad's going to happen.
0: Thanks for listening to The Drive with Larry Hardesty Podcast. Subscribe and rate us wherever you get your podcasts.